0: om Yogena Chittasya cittasya padena vacham malam sharirasya cha vaidyakena pravaram muninam patanjalim pranjali ranatosmi In the last class, we were studying from the 8th till the 13th Sutra of the 4th chapter of Patanjali Yoga Sutra, which deals with the concept of Vasanas. So now, today we will take up from the 14th till the 17th Sutra, which will be discussing that how our perceptions get biased by our Vasanas the vasanas the various likings which are manifested which are already manifested the vasanas are two types one is manifested and the other is unmanifested sukshma and the one is thula the thula is the manifested and the sukshma is the various vasanas which are not appropriate for my present existence for my present birth for my present state of my existence those vasanas won't find expression they remain hidden but those finds expression they to a great extent will be affecting our perception in science we say that objective knowledge means what i see based on that the knowledge can never be uh, of uh, what you say that varied there cannot be When I am seeing the red flower, you are seeing the red flower. And I know that this knowledge, which comes from this consensus reality, that we all agree to it, that's the valid knowledge. But here we will find from the 14th to the 17th Sutra, as we gradually uh, go through these Sutras, we will find a wonderful thing. The Yoga Sutra is saying that our perceptions are biased by our Vasanas. What I see, is may not be correct as it gets colored by my Vasanas. Your perceptions uh, also get colored by your Vasanas. The same thing may be perceive in different ways based on the biases which develops because of our Vasanas. So that's the thing which we will be dealing in the succeeding Sutras. But the 14 Sutra, which we took up in the last class as a quick revision, we will again uh, take up What's that? It speaks how the perception happens. When I see the red flower outside, I have the idea. What's the idea? The red flower with the smell, with the texture, with the color, everything is lying intact there outside. Through my senses, it comes as a whole and I perceive it as a whole. But very interesting. This perceptions happen, happens piecemeal. There's a wonderful coordination going on inside the mind to give a sense that it is a whole. What is there outside, we never know. When all those piecemeal perceptions very nicely coordinate, then we have a feeling that that's the thing which I'm seeing outside there. Exactly. That's the thing I'm perceiving, but it never happens. Before going to the expression of the sutra, we will give a common example. You will understand that. You suppose you are sitting in a movie theater. You're sitting in the movie theater, watching the movie and you see certain characters speaking. You have the idea that the character is speaking. The words, with the movement of the lips, the words are coming out from his mouth. We all have that perception. Yes, we know with our technology, with our science, that's not the thing happening. But when we are totally absorbed in the movie, what we feel, that's the character which is speaking. But actually what is happening? In the screen, what we are seeing is only the moving picture. There's no voice coming from there. Somewhere else the sound box is there. From there the sound is coming. But these two coordinates in such a wonderful way. The moment the lip moves from some different source, the sound is coming and entering my ears and this two gets coordinated together and I feel that the person is speaking. But actually, the person is not speaking. There in the screen, the person is totally silent. The sound is coming from the sound box somewhere else. But I feel the person is speaking. So now you will understand the idea of piecemeal perception that so many perceptions are segregated. When I'm seeing the flower, you even the modern science will say you if you go to the neurology that the, in the brain the color perception center is different. the shape, the shape of the flower that which I perceive is a different. Where I am perceiving the shape in the same place the color is not perceived. And again, the smell that that is totally different. It is entering through the nose, at least the color and the shape both are perceived through the eyes. And then of course, the perception is segregated. And here it is even the entry point is different from the nose, the smell is going. And if you touch the texture, again, it's a different sense. But all this various piecemeal perceptions, our mind is wonderful. There it all gets conglomerated, synthesized, and then it is projected as a whole. What I'm seeing there outside, I don't know what it is. Once it is projected as a whole, I say, "Oh, red flower with such a wonderful smell, a wonderful thing. Our modern science is a very poor imitation of nature, very poor. Even few years back, even few decades back, a century back, about hundred years back, there was no question of movie. When the movie came, it was silent movie, and that also black and white. And then the color came. Just see, one by one, we are synthesizing that. On the that black and white means only the shape on which we could project the color. And then also it was silent. Then the sound came. And now in the movie theater, you have that surround sound as if the person who is speaking is just sitting in front of you and talking to you. And we say, how marvelously the technology has improved. But just imagine what nature is doing for millions of years is something which we with all our technology can never imitate. There are hundreds of piecemeal perceptions. Even when I see and seeing through the eye, the digit perception, if I am seeing the uh, digit seven, you know, some persons are there, they have some abnormality. Whenever they see the seven digit, they will see invariably it as red, whatever be it's color. Why it happens? Because the color perception center and the digit perception center in our brain are very near. And just the way our electronic circuits gets short circuited because of some mutations, because of some abnormalities for that particular person, there is a short circuit between the color perception center and the digit perception center. The color rate somehow got short circuited with the seven, digit seven. And whenever it sees seven, it says red, whether it's green color is green or yellow or red or blue, whatever it may be, the person will see it red. So why we are saying that from this abnormalities, actually we can easily find out that actually all the perceptions are piecemeal. So many. Here through our projector, we can only project light and sound. But the mind is projecting light, sound, taste, touch, smell. And that also each of them has so many varieties. And that all are segregated. Now you think, that how our technology is a very extremely poor imitation of nature. And that's segregated, is being projected out. Our perceptions are not something which is gathered in. What is coming from outside, I don't know. But what I see is information. What is information? We break the word, information. Everything is forming inside, And then that is projected out, which I see it as reality. So just see this, this idea, and with the help of modern science, we can understand. Now it really amazes us that thousands of years back when the Yoga Sutra was written, this is exactly the same thing which has been indicated in the 14th sutra. What's they are saying? Parinama If you just see the word parinama, parinama means transformations. Ekatvat. Ekatwat means. Synchronicity. Together, all the parinamas, innumerable parinamas are happening together, ekatvat. That results in vastu tattvam. That tattva, tattva means that anything which is not, there are two words, mata and tattva. Mata means opinion. Opinion can be varied. I have an opinion which can be varied from yours. But tattva is the truth which cannot be varied which speaks of the consensus reality. That what when I see the red flower, you also see the red flower. There, can, there cannot be a question of opinion. So that's the word, there's the difference between the word tatwa and matha. So it is not a matha. When I see the red flower, it is not a Matam. It is not an opinion. It's a tatwa. There's a the truth. And this consensus reality is generated because of Parinama ekatwa. The way the mutations of the Prakriti in your mind, it's happening. The same way it is happening, which is generating the consensus reality. That reality that we have is not something absolute. If someone's brain is bit deformed, as we were giving that example, he will see the world differently. And we say he is having some defect. Why? Because actually, our in our brain also the parinama is happening. In his all in his brain, also the same parinama is happening. In our mind, the parinama is happening, in his mind also the parinama is happening. But for most of us, the parinama happens in a particular way. For that other person, it is happening in a bit different way because of that short circuit, just we were giving the example. And now we say, as he's the minority, if all our brains were short-circuited. We would have been just having the same perception at that person and that letter seven would always have been read for us. And that would have been the reality. But as he is the one who is the minority, we are the majority, we say he is having the defect. Just like an election, the minority never wins. He has lost. That's why in the medical, modern medical term, they never say mental deformities. They say he is a bit different. That's all. He is not abnormal, we are all abnormal in a sense. As we are all abnormal in the same way we say we are normal. His abnormality is a bit different from our abnormality, but we are all hallucinating. How? There's peaceful perceptions as giving the idea of reality. So that's the idea which was spoken of in the 14th Sutra. So the 15th Sutra will let us go. That yes, for most of the things, which we see. When I see the red flower, you also see the red flower. Does it mean that all our perceptions are uh, the same? That is there no variation? Also no. Though by default most of the when I see the red flower, of course I see the red flower. You also see the red flower. But our vasanas sometimes come into the picture and can what you say that taint our perception so that we all have varied perceptions so that's the thing we will give examples that the 15th sutra what says it says vastu samye though the vastu the thing may be same chitta bhedak as per the difference of the various chitta tayo vibhakta pantha the perceptions follow different paths there can be totally different perceptions vastu samye Chitta bhedat Though the thing is same, but because of the different mindsets, tayo pantha This the perceptions. Tayo means tayo means that. That means the thing which has been spoken of in the previous sutra. The perceptions which has been spoken of in the previous sutra. That perceptions follow different courses. In our scripture, the very common example is of a stump. A stump, a tree, most probably in the storm has fallen. Only the stump, the stump is remaining in the corner of a park where people go for their evening walk or morning walk. The stump is in the corner of that park. In the evening, children are playing. People are strolling around. And now when it's about to be dark, in the twilight hours, in the dusk, now, suppose a thief is running, uh, sc- or, uh, uh, running away, being afraid of the police, and he's scared of the police from a distance in the twilight hours, in that, that the darkness, the darkness has already started engulfing. So it's not very clear. In the darkness, from a distance, the thief out of fear thinks that stump to be the police. The police who is in search of the thief thinks it to be the thief. A person who came to the park to meet his beloved thinks it to be his lover. And the the child, the children who were playing, now the game is over, they have to return home. Now they are in search of their mother. A child thinks the stump to be the mother and the mother who is in search of the child thinks that to be the child. So this is a very common example in yoga and in Vedanta. So now you will understand, Vastu thus it's just a stump, Chitta Bhedan, because of our various vasanas. What we want, that creates the biases and that distorts our perception. We can never see the thing as it is. So that's how that it has been indicated. Though that for most of the things, the consensus reality do apply, but yes, in our life, we will find that it is not always correct. And actually this is the cause of all our turmoils and tension. When before election, the political parties with their agenda, they're speaking, you will find that sometimes there is the clash of opinions among the one who are the votaries? Who are the adherents to a particular political party? They, in the, if, in the if, on the TV, there will you find various discussions going on. Very interesting. You will find that both have their opinion. When they are alleging someone else or are supporting someone else, they think they are correct. But if they are correct, then why? What's the why? Is, there is a question of varied opinion. The other person also thinks he is correct the reality has been constructed by their biases. Once you get biased, naturally immediately, there is bound to be this clash of opinion. In the society, all the clash of opinions is because of the vasanas. We can never see this thing as it is. It is bound to be that varied perception. When the two teams are playing, suppose a clash ensues In and it in in the match there is some fight, and that spreads among the fo- this, the supporters, the fan. And if you go and take the interview, both will say the opponent team was wrong, the team I support was correct. This you will from both the supporters you will find the same answer. This, this varied opinions why? Because my perceptions are already biased, the team which I support. Same thing happens with religious fanaticism, that my religion is the only religion, all other are false. The same thing, he's not saying something uh, deliberately knowing very well that other religions are also okay, but I have to say, it's not a false statement. Fanatics are the most uh, the sincerest soul in the world. They're very sincere, but the bias changes their perception. Immediately their perception changes. So many things. It has, it has been found very interesting thing. You know, sometimes you will find there are co-authors. A book has been co-authored. Now, if it is two or three authors, you go and take this, you just uh, ask them that, well, I understand it is a, yeah, this book is a, uh, has been co-authored by two or three persons. But can you tell me what's the percentage of your contribution? So you individually go to these three authors and ask them the percentage of their contribution and you add them. It invariably it is going to be more than 100%. It is going to be because everyone will say that I see 60%, 50%. No one will say less than 50%. When the car accident happens, someone got badly injured, is in hospital. Most probably it was his fault. But invariably, if you go and ask him, 99% chance is there, he will say, no, the fault was for someone else. And not only that. Now, if you ask him that, please grade yourself that if 1 to 10 is the grade of the driving skill, where will you place? So they will place their grade in such a place, which is equivalent to the test drivers, when the car, you know, is... So, these all speaks of what in modern psychology this have uh, introduced a term called benefactance. Beneficial and effective, benefactive. That we all prove, we all try to prove ourselves to be a beneficial member of the society and effective member of the society. We are not quacks. We are not some uh, erratic person. We are quite responsible. And we never do it as a hypocrite. Others may feel I am hypocrite, but I never feel I am sincere. There's a book, which the title of the book is why everyone else is a hypocrite. Because I never understand why you know that the left brain is the language brain. It is a propaganda machine. Constantly, it always tries to uh, say something which is like a propaganda machine is acting it not only con- tries to convince others, first it convinces yourself that, that though you are not saying the correct thing, but you are convinced that I am saying the correct thing, that example which we gave of the split brain exam, that's experiment. It's a very famous experiment in psychology that for some person, because of some neurological uh, complications, the right blend and the left hemisphere, this left and the right has to be Segregated, there is a criss There is connections, they segregated. And previously thought that there is no side effect, that the person after that, the, all the complications vanishes and has no side effect. But later they found that side effect is there. The wonderful side effect, what? The Split-Brain experiment speaks of that. A person who has such segregated left and right hemisphere, is made to sit in one chair in such a way that he cannot turn his head. His head is fixed. And on the left side, somewhere, one display board is there, which can be seen only by the, as he cannot turn his head and it has kept in such an angle where only the left eye can see. The right eye cannot see that. This person with the split brain, when he sees that uh, display, what's the display? Get up, and move forward. This person immediately gets up and starts moving forward. And suddenly someone asks, well, why you got up? Why are you moving? And immediately he will say, most probably there is a fridge in his front. Oh, it's uh, I, I'm feeling a bit thirsty. I want to just get some cold water. And the person who is conducting the experiment who knows, he knows very well. It's not the truth. Actually seeing that uh, display Get up and move, he has started moving. And when we ask, he's saying, I'm going to get some water. What's happening? So now this experiment, they when they try to find out that why it is happening. Now, for the split brain person, what has happened? In our brain, there's a crisscross. Whatever we perceive through the left eye is actually being received by the right brain. What you perceive through your right eye it is registered in the left brain. So there's a crisscross. So as this person has a split, what he perceived through the left brain, it was registered in the right brain. But the right brain couldn't transmit it to the left brain because it was segregated. Now, right brain is something which is autobiographical. It just, whatever it sees, that is recorded. There's no question of variation. And the left brain is the language brain. Now for this person, as there's a split, he has perceived, and that has resulted in a response, he has got up, he's moving, but he himself doesn't know why it is happening. Immediately, the left brain, the language brain will create a language. Why? Because after all, we have been uh, built in such a way that we have to prove ourselves an effective person in the society. We are not some, uh, this, uh, having some crack in our brain we are quite beneficial, we are effective, we are responsible. And to make that uh, thing as a conviction for others, immediately the left brain, when it doesn't get the message for your actions, immediately it will interpret, and it will come out as a language, there's a propaganda machine. And first, it's not that you're doing it consciously, you think it's correct. But the other person immediately finds out that it's not correct. That's why in this world you'll find no one says that I am a hypocrite, I am sincere. It's always the others who are hypocrite. And that's why when we say that throughout the history there was the fight between the right and wrong, it's actually totally a misstatement. It is a wrong statement. There was never fight between the right and wrong. It was a fight of perspectives. When Ravana was fighting with Rama, he thought he was quite justified. We may say that Ravana was the villain, but Ravana, I think, never will think that he's a villain. He had his own perspective. If you look, listen to the interview of all the some very hardcore criminals who may be most probably sentenced to death in the countries where death sentences there, like in America. And there's a they have been interviewed most probably few days before their death. That what do you think? That and invariably, you will find in 90% case, what do you think about your punishment? They will, 90% case, they will say it is a total uh, it means the justice has went the wrong way, and he will or her, she will be totally justifying herself for all her actions, deeds, and that he or she does it with full sincerity. So that's the idea wonderfully has been spoken of in this Sutra. What a wonderful Sutra. All our conflicts in the world is because of this. We can never see the thing as it is. It is bound to be tarnished by our opinions, varied opinions, tainted by our opinions, tainted by our vasanas, our likings, our dislikings. So objective knowledge, unbiased objective knowledge is something which is impossible. In science, also we find that those who are uh, confirmed atheist, they will always try to somehow prove that consciousness is a consciousness is an epiphenomenon. But if, within science, there are scientists who say no, the consciousness is the only that uh, thing, uh, which we have to take as just the way when you're measuring the area of a table, the length, the breadth, you take it as a fundamental quantity that when to measure that, if you, you cannot just say that you don't define what is length, these are the fundamentals based on that, that I can define the area. So science there are certain sections which have started saying that consciousness is also a fundamental something. You cannot explain it, but based on that, everything can be explained. Just see that within the science, why are all these things are happening? If truth is one, why these varied opinions? Because of our biases. Even the science gets tented. The so-called science itself has various opinions because of, again, this, this chitta bhedat. We have these varied opinions. So that's the thing which has been indicated in the 15th Sutra. 16th Sutra. Almost in the same lines, it will say that why it happens, that the reason it will give. It's a very wonderful sutra. Tat uparaga apekshitattvat, chittasya vastu gyata agyatam. Uparaga, the way you color the things, external objects. Tat all the external objects is a meaningless tat. Uparaga, the way you color them means according to the color of the mind, some things are known, some things are not known. Just we say that our eye have blind spot. Our mind too has a blind spot. In our life it happens. A boy and a girl comes to the relation, they are in love. They each see angel in the other all good qualities, nothing, no evil. And that's why they think now, yeah, that we are the proper match. And then the marriage happens. They start staying together. And then gradually when that infatuation has went, what has happened at the beginning? The blind spots, all the so-called negativities were in my blind spot. I was saying all good, but no human being can be all good. We are a mixture of goodness and of course, some negativities, positivities and negativities are there. But we were totally, the, our mind had a blind spot for all the negativities. That's why we saw the angel in the other. And when they start staying together and then we find that the anger is building up, disgust is building up and a time comes. When you see only the bad qualities, those good qualities are not seen at all. Anger is a temporary insanity. It's When you get angry, you you will just see the other person as devil, not a single good quality you can see. We can only see the faults. It's not that he's full of faults. He also has some positivity, but that anger creates the way that infatuation is a temporary insanity. Anger is also temporary insanity. And now we find it's a dangerous illness where we think that we see the things as, we, uh, as they truly are, but in fact, our visions are already distorted. We're not seeing the thing as it is. Similarly, pride. Love is related to other person. Hatred is related to the other person, but pride is something which is related to me. And it distorts our vision. We start thinking that, uh, that I am the person who is just the avatar, the incarnation. And this works in a wonderful way. You know that uh, in our psychology, they use the Western psychology, they use two words, persona and shadow. We all start wearing masks. What's the mask? From childhood, from the first, the parents told that whenever we did something, we were, uh, what do you say that, uh, a lot of approbations were there for it. Father praised it. There was approbations. And for certain things, we were censored. We were scolded. And from that, the idea of good, bad started developing. And now we find that what that our conscience is getting uh, conditioned by what the other people thinks good and bad. And you try to be good. So Swami Vivekananda's one famous statement is there. If we really try to be good, instead of trying to show us as good, most probably we would have transformed the energy which we waste in showing others that I am good. That same energy, if I would have used to really become good, I would have been a different person. So much energy we waste in showing us that I am a nice person. So that's the persona, the mask we wear. From the child, he knows that such a certain things for which he will be scolded, censored. So he starts behaving in a different way. And that's what happens, you know, that when he goes to the university, he finds that there is no one to scold him. Now, this persona has really developed so much, that mask. It creates, along with that persona, another thing is created, that's called a shadow. That all the weaknesses are, for the time being, in the shadow, they don't find expression. But suddenly, some temptations come, The suddenly from the shadow, from the unconscious mind, a tremendous force, even it totally overwhelms us. And we find ourselves disintegrated. All sorts of drug addiction, everything speaks of that. The shadow, from the shadow, The as if like a devil, something has came up and totally Uh, disoriented that person. This fight between the persona and the shadow. It happens the more that we develop that pride. So many things in the mind goes in the shadow because of that huge persona, that false personality, that masked personality which we are creating. So here also again, there's a question of seeing something and most of the things are hidden. You see only the few good qualities most probably you have and you again spice them up And other things, so many negativities which you should be careful about, you are not at all aware of it. There is a wonderful saying which Yatishwaranaji used to say that if my personality is like a chain, with, you know, the chain has so many links, innumerable links, your personality is like a chain with innumerable links, all the links are strong. Only one link has started developing a little rust. When the chain is at stress, it is going to break from that one link which has started developing rust. So don't be so much possessed by your good qualities. Even one bad quality can be sufficient to tear you off that one rust link. So these shadows are something which we should be aware of. And for that, the pride shouldn't be there. The more the pride, the more the shadow, the more the chance of fall. This idea, you know, this all the mythological stories, they actually speak a lot. There's, there are wonderful philosophical, psychological ideas behind them. In, Mahabha, in Ramayana, there's a story when Hanumana was on the mission to find out Sita, so he was uh, asked to jump over the ocean to go to Lanka, the the, more, the present day Sri Lanka, present the the, day so Ceylon. So they have he, had, he was supposed to jump over the ocean. That was the uh, duty which was assigned to him. And now, when uh, he was about to take the jump. So all, first, uh, first of all, he was not having sufficient confidence. And then, uh, because uh, this, that is another story, we did not go to them that as a child, he was uh, trying to uh, eat the sun. And then the devas finding that the child is very restless, that for, till he grows up, for the time being, let his awareness about his strength be totally deleted. When he needs it, then it will come back. So now it came back as he's on mission. Now he became confident. He was about to take the jump. Now when he was jumping over the ocean, suddenly from the ocean, a demoness came out. Her name was Simhika. This demoness name was Simhika. She came out. She had a particular characteristic. What is the characteristic? Now, anything which is flying, she cannot fly. She is at the most, she can come out from the ocean surface. But how to have the flying object as her prey? Now, she had the special capacity. She could somehow get hold of the shadow, and with the shadow, she could drag the prey. That's what the mythology says. So, that's how she used to devour her prey. Whoever, if the birds were flying, the shadow falls on the ocean, immediately it will catch hold of the shadow and bring it. When Hanumana was flying, Hanumana had the characteristic to become minutely small or he can make himself big. So seeing Simhika, he immediately understood that what's going to happen. He became so small, minutely small, that there was almost no shadow. There was no shadow in the ocean and he easily escaped. Simhika couldn't get hold of him. So this is if you take it as a story. Okay. Yes. That's uh, perfect, we never say that it is something false, but there is some psychological implications of it. That the ocean is like our subconscious mind, is like a chitta, in which simhika is like all the demoness which has, has been shadowed, all the negativities which has been shadowed. It comes out from there. The bigger is your shadow, because of your persona, because of all those puffed personality, The more the chance you will be engulfed by simhika, by the demoness, by all the negativities of your subconscious mind. A little uh, temptations of the world will totally disbalance you. So that's the thing. The pride hides our that the the, the so many things of what? Chitta. So this anger, infatuation, pride, all those things we will find. In fact, that's the idea which is being indicated that just now you just see that first it started with the idea that there is something called objective knowledge, but is really, it's always true No, In so many ways our perceptions are getting tarnished. That's being indicated. Sometimes, some things are known, some things are unknown though it is perceived because of the blind spots of your mind, which has been generated because of your likings, dislikings, because of your infatuations, because of your anger, which comes from those likings and dislikings, as well as from the pride, your puffed up personality. We find that the chitta is hiding so many things, which actually is palpably visible, but we don't see for the time being. So that's the idea which has been spoken of in this Sutra. So the next Sutra, the 17th Sutra, this now speaks of that behind all the perceptions, it's not the mind which is perceiving. Behind the mind, there is something whose association is activating the mind and then only all this perception is possible. And for that, they will give a reason. What's the reason? As the various states of minds are known, so there must be someone behind the chitta. That's the, let us read the sutra and we will go to a bit elaborate discussion. Sada gyata chitta vrittaya tat prabho purushashya parinamitvata Sada gyata When I think, whatever thought is coming to my mind, I know I am thinking. This is a wonderful characteristic. What's a wonderful characteristic? It's a hard question. It's a very difficult question of consciousness. There are two things with all the discoveries of our uh, neurological science. Sometimes we think that we can create artificial intelligence, which is almost like human being. But the big question within the science is there. Yes, by observing the way the brain works, works, the various hormones, enzymes, with a particular type of our temperament, mood, the secretions, and those resulting various type of uh, way we react, we respond. So we can almost imitate that and create a robot, which an artificial intelligence, which is almost like human being. That science is yet to have uh, that a robot, which is exactly like human being, but they're aspiring, That most probably in a short time, they will do it. We take it for granted, they do it. But there's a hard question. What is the hard question? The science even doesn't know. Even we don't know the yes and no. The when I am seeing a thing, I'm seeing a flower. I know I am seeing the flower. When I'm thinking what I am thinking, I know. The question is, does that robot, when it is when you ask, bring him him a cup of tea? He goes, prepares the tea, brings, and keeps it in front of you. You think, ah, he's just that like us, the conscious being. But there's only one difference, which still is a very hard question, we don't know. Is the robot the same way aware? When I asked him the question, if the programming is such that when you, even now, now it is the mobile, when you ask a question, immediately it will be answering. That's all matter of programming. It's not that someone is conscious to deciding that yes, for such and such question, such and such answer, it has been programmed, it's happening. But the way we, as a conscious being, all those things are happening also within me, which has been imitated by the science that's happening, you get the response accordingly. But we know, when I'm thinking, I know I am thinking. When I am angry, I know I am angry. When I'm happy, I know I am happy. When I'm asked to some, asked to do something, when I'm doing, I know I am doing. Does the robot know that it is doing? Does the robot know it has heard the message, or it is just a programming where he, hearing certain words, certain uh, what do you say? reactions just follow as per the programming which has been done. So this this is a wonderful hard question of psychology. We find how nicely thousands of years back has been spoken of that what's the difference between consciousness and and, and something which is not conscious. It may be an artificial intelligence, but there is a difference. What's the difference? Sada-gyata. There is someone who knows in me, the qualia factor of our consciousness. That's the term which we use that the constantly, that self aware of all my thoughts, of all my actions, of all my knowledge, of all my perceptions. I know that what I am perceiving, I know what I am thinking, what's my decision, everything someone is there behind witnessing. That's that sadhagyata, that's the one who sadhagyata of what chitta Vritta, hai, whatever in the chitta the vrittis are going on, in whatever forms, perceptions. Uh, all your decisions, all your uh, feelings, emotions, these are all chitta vrittis. All these vrittis, someone knows. The one who knows is the Lord of the mind, Tat Prabhu. How come he knows everything? Because he is a Parinami. This is a wonderful idea. He is the one unchanging, the witness, always there. This, you know, these sutras, when it were written, Already Buddhism was prevailing. And in those days, there used to be the, uh, this, you know, that the fight between the various, fight means intellectual fight between these various ways of thinking. In Buddhism, the idea is very interesting. What they say? That the mind is just one after the other, the thoughts are there, is going on to give a sensation of a continuity. But there is nothing behind to say that it is continuous. And they give an example that we gave so many times. If you revolve a torch, a lighted torch, you see a band of fire, a circle of fire that is not there. The constant movement gives you a sensation of something permanent which is not there. So in Buddhism, they say that the idea of self is something which is illusory. Because why it is? Because of the constant change which is happening. Now, in some some other context, Swami Vivekananda very interestingly have in one sentence denied that. How? He says, yes, it's true that I delude that there is a ring which is actually not there. It is not there. But who is deluding? The one who is deluding the one who is getting deluded is the self. It is I who am observing that moving torch as the band of fire the one who is observing and getting deluded is the self. There is something that's the Aparinami, which is not changing. It is always there. So that idea of Aparinami you can understand with a different example. So really can, if the thoughts of the thought happened, could we really understood, uh, we have really recollected that in the morning what something happened, in the evening something happened, we say it is that Yes, I can just recollect what has happened throughout the day in sequence. If there was no witness, could you have really recollected? Just a very easy common example we will give. Suppose the shrine where I'm sitting, from morning uh, 10 o'clock it was open till one. Now someone came, suppose someone came at 10, 10, just at 10 a.m. Let his name be Mr. A. Mr. A came at 10 and he was in the shrine till 10.30. Then he left at 10.30. Then at 11 o'clock, a person, say his name is B. He came. At 10, some person came till 10.30, he was here. He was meditating. The one who came at 11, he started chanting, and he most probably chanted for another 15 minutes or 30 minutes, 11.30. He left, after he left, most probably at 11.45, C came, he came, and he was also here for the shrine, he was in the shrine, uh, sitting here for some another 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Now, if can A ever know that B came? Can B know that A came? Can C know that A and B came here? Because they all came in different time. But suppose a person called X, was sitting in the corner of the shrine from morning 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. He's the witness. He only can say that yes, from 10 to one person was here, he was meditating. From 11 to 11.30, another person came, he was chanting. And another person came from say 11.45 to 12.15, he was also there sitting in the shrine. Who can say? The one who is there constantly there. Otherwise you cannot connect all those three. This all will be segregated event. In our mind, all events would have been segregated without any connection if there is no witness, which is constantly there without change. Aparinami. So that's the idea. Sada-gyata that I always know all my chitta-vrittis. Why? Tat-prabho. Be, be, behind that, Purusha. The conscious principle is there, which is without change. Unless there is a substratum, we can never think of synthesizing all the things which are constantly changing. In the movie, unless you have a screen, can you think of the movie? It's impossible. There has to be a screen. So behind all this phenomenal existence, there has to be something which is a Parinami, never changing constant. There's a very funny way. Uh, There's a Buddhist story that in in Zen Buddhism, they always uh, speak of some, uh, they call it quacks, Uh, not exact quarks, quarks. What those quarks are? Some puzzles. If you can understand the puzzle, you will be immediately illumined. So what's one of such puzzles are that two monks were arguing what they were arguing of a flag which was moving in the wind, a flag was just moving in the wind. So what they were arguing, one of them told, one of the monks told, the flag moved. The other told, no, the wind moved. So now they started arguing. They couldn't resolve the dilemma, they went to a senior monk. The senior monk told, the mind moved. And at last they went to the enlightened one and the enlightened one told nothing moved. (laughs) So that's the story. one told the flag moved, the other told the wind moved, the senior monk told the mind moved, and the enlightened one told nothing moved because the enlightened one is the one who has went beyond the mind. It is the conscious principle which comes in association with the mind and activates the mind, and what is going on out there, I never know have the flag really moved? I don't know. Something was happening there, which my mind projected as something moving. So when the senior monk told the mind moved, he was correct. But he have not yet realized beyond the mind what is happening. So when one, someone told the flag moved, the, the wind moved, both we are not sure about what is happening there. Because it's what happening there is just a suggestion, which when the mind interprets, projects it as our consensus reality. So the consciousness, the purusha is the no thing. He is. We say that purusha is nothing. We say it's correct. He is not a thing. The conscious principle is not a thing. So what is out there, we never know. But when consciousness is focused on the mind, then what happened? The mind is perceiving the world. How? By generating information, that information, just as we are told, something is forming inside, information, and that's being projected out as a reality. So the conscious principle, which is not moving, but in as it comes in association with the mind to activate the mind, which alone is moving. What we see is the movement of the mind. We don't know what is happening outside. We don't say that nothing is moving outside, but we don't know. The external world is a mere suggestion. We see only the map, we can never see the reality. We can only see the map of the reality. That is a common example which we give, suppose what's happening that when I see the red flower, that example again, we give it to bring the point home. Is the flower red? No, we, we don't know what it is. Light is falling, which has various wavelengths. They have no color actually. Even Newton knew it, Newton told, they have no color. They're just various wavelengths they fall on the flower, all the wavelengths are absorbed. A particular wavelength is reflected. So from that, someone told a very interesting thing. Our identity is what we give, not what we take. So the flower took all the colors, it gave that red band. So that's why we say it is red flower. So in this life, you also should know what you give is your identity, not what we take from the society. So whatever it may be, so it's a particular band, it gave out that reached my eyes light's function is over. Now the moment it touched my eyes in the retina, a nerve impulse was generated through the optic nerve. It was taken to that color perception brain center. It is just a nerve current. Light never enters into your brain. It's a dark portion. No light enters there. If you were sitting there, no light. It's totally dark. When that nerve impulse goes to that so-called color perception: center, the red color is thrown out by the mind. So now you will understand that all this is forming within. The red color is forming within. It comes out to give you a sense of reality. So now you will understand that what is happening outside, I don't know. There is something. So everything what I see is a map. What in a map? How, what's in the map? What we do? Suppose I go out today to find out. The network of roads of Melbourne. I study. I just travel through my car. I just move around and uh, come back and draw a map. I draw the freeway. I draw the merging lens, I draw the exits. Now, after I draw the map, to distinguishing to distinguish from the uh, these three: the freeway, the merging roads, and the exits. What I do: the freeway I draw in green color all the roads which are merging most probably in blue color and the exits in red color. A small child sees this map. And he thinks that most probably this red color, green color, blue color road is out there. Will he ever find? No. It is we who have pooped those colors for our convenience. And that's what the mind is doing. It is throwing out various colors. So we, what we see is the map of reality. We never know what the real thing is. And that's the idea that conscious principle behind the mind is activating the mind to create this wonderful, phenomenal existence. So, unless that is there, everything falls off. Just like the IC chip of your computer, it is a, just like a dead log wood. And what a marvelous world of virtual reality it can produce the moment the bias voltage passes through it, it gets enlivened. So, there's a similar way how it gets enlivened by all the things which are hidden inside it. All the things which you're seeing in the screen is in the chip. The chip once gets activated by the bias voltage is now projecting this world of virtual reality. Based on the suggestions in the keyboard, the, the way you're pressing the keyboard is the suggestions, which in uh, the, uh, when the bias voltage is there, you press the keyboard, the suggestions can be projected as the world of virtual reality only when when the bias voltage is there. When the bias voltage is not there, you can go on pressing the keyboard, nothing happens. Because the screen will be just blank unless and until the bias voltage is passing through that. So that's the idea. Till the Purusha is there as a constant, is as constant it is there. So that's the idea we will find very nicely that, uh, being indicated in this Sutra. That if somehow we can relate to that, go beyond the mind, then we find that there is no turmoil, no tension. It is you're always in the eternal present. The, why eternal present? Because there is no decay, there is no change. We, how can we differentiate between the past and the future? Because of some change. If there is no change, if the present moment is exactly the same as the next moment, it is the eternal present. So once we go to that eternal present, then only we can enjoy the placidness. Just with a story, we will just end today's class. In Sydney, when uh, I was there for uh, quite a long time, so once a senior Swami was supposed to visit our center there. So we went to the airport, Sydney airport, and then we found, we didn't check before going, that flight was delayed by one hour or one and a half hours. So we thought what to do. So near the Sydney airport, there is the Bay, Botany Bay. So you can just, so we thought, why not just simply sitting here? Why not we go there and enjoy the scenic beauty of the ocean there? So myself and Brahmachari went there. We were enjoying this, you know, wonderful that by just by the ocean, that tranquil ocean, the light was glittering, the sunlight was falling and that blue ocean, wonderful. And it made you my, my our mind tranquil. It will make anyone's mind tranquil. And just as we were passing, we saw a car parked and we were curious. We looked uh, and we saw that in the driving seat, yes, when someone is sitting. At the beginning, at initially we thought most probably he also is most probably enjoying other why should he park the car just by the bay? Uh, must be enjoying the ocean. And then we were really disgusted. We saw, that in front of his eyes, there was a newspaper blocking the ocean, <laughs> there's a newspaper. He was deeply uh, absorbed in the newspaper. And we saw, oh, just is this the place to read newspaper? Such a wonderful, tranquil scene is there. And in newspaper, what do you read? It's either some uh, this politics or some uh, war, now like Afghan war going on, war, politics, or some scandals or sports so that's what is happening we are why we don't enjoy the tranquility of the purusha in our mind constantly is going on is what's going on that newspaper all the things of the newspaper is in our mind that's what we have already opened up either war or politics or scandals or sports what's the war going on i had a fight with my colleague i had a fight with my relations that's the war politics again in the family in the work so many politics you find. And then your personal follies are like the scandals that destroy, that's constantly disturb you. And then this, this the this sport of the sensual pleasures is going on. Unless we can remove that, you can never enjoy the placidity of that ocean, the Purusha, who is always there. So that's the thing which is being indicated in this sutra. It speaks of the way of perception, but also it speaks of the sadhara. That once you can go beyond all this, then only you can enjoy the placidity of that Aparinami Purusha, that Aparinami twat, the word has been mentioned, then only you can enjoy that. Before that, we can never know that, that the real bliss of life, which one can experience only by relating to that placidity. So the seven, from the 17th Sutra. Again, uh, uh, we will just take up a bit more uh, elaborately this Sutra in the next class and then follow with the succeeding Sutras. The succeeding Sutras will actually speak of uh, uh, the, what you say that uh, the idea which has already been spoken of in the 17th Sutra, that mind itself is not conscious. Something must be behind it which is conscious. To justify it these three sutras has will be allocated 18, 19, 20. So various uh, reasons, it will prove that mind by itself is not conscious. There has to be some purusha behind it. So that we will take up again in the next class. With this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.